Welcome to Fear Frequency, a weekly horror podcast where two best friends round up the horror news worth caring about and review a movie or two. I'm your host, Jimmy Champagne, and with me today is George Frizzard. What's up? Nothing much, dude. How's it going? Um, pretty good. Pretty good. Did, did anything crazy happen to you in the last week? Any good stories to tell? Uh, no, it's been pretty mundane since, uh, since I've been back in the old MI. So I don't really have anything crazy to tell you. No more windows exploding on the freeway or anything like that. <laughs> so when so last Friday was Star Wars Day, as most people probably know. May the 4th be with you or whatever. And there's this really cool place here in L.A. It's in Agora Hills. It's called Malibu Wines. And during the summer, they do movie nights where you can go and you can just like lay out, watch a movie, get some wine from them. It's like pretty decent wine. They have a food truck come. And they were showing Star Wars for Star Wars Day. And I really wanted to go, obviously, because it's such a cool place. You've been there before, right? Like, you liked it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Really cool. Yeah. So I was like, all right, I'll just go after work. And for those of you who don't know, I live in, like, Santa Monica area. But I work way out inland. I work about 40 miles east of Santa Monica in, uh, like, the Inland Empire or whatever. So... I was like, this won't be that bad getting to Malibu, though, because I'm going over the city, and it won't be that far. So uh, at, like, 5.15, I leave work because this starts at 7.30, and I figured there'd be traffic because it's L.A., and I get all all loaded up on my map, and then I notice that it's 83 miles away. <laughs> There's no small, no small journey. No, quite the distance. So I just basically, I filled up my gas tank. Because I was at half gas. I got really scared that I would run out of gas. And I floored it. It was going like 95 the entire way. And I got there in an hour and 40 minutes. <laughs> on a Friday. <laughs> at fi- and during rush hour. So that was cool. Rolled up. Got in. Watched the Star War. Uh, had some great pizza. It was a good Friday night. It was pretty fun. Man, that does sound great. I do really like that place. Melba Wines is just an awesome place to, to catch a movie. Yeah. the There's a hike you can do there. Where you get to feed a giraffe lettuce. And I like it. Sounds that. worth it to me. Yeah, and uh, I have an announcement to make on my YouTube channel. I'm an Evil Dead YouTuber now. <laughs> I only make Evil Dead videos because I've made two now. One of them has uh, 80,000 views, and the other one is reaching uh, two or 3,000 right now. I posted last night. So um, I'm actually, I think I'm going to try and split between Halloween and Evil Dead because <laughs> look behind the curtain. I just wanted to see how far I could push the Halloween 2018 uh, topic on YouTube. So I made a four-minute video, exactly four minutes, about the poster that has the mask on it. And I was like, I wonder if people will watch this. And uh, it's got 2,500 views, which is a lot for me. So, uh, yeah, I'm a Halloween 2018 and Evil Dead YouTuber now. (laughs) Gotta follow the numbers, man. It's all a numbers game. Oh, I'm no longer a Halloween and Evil Dead one. I'm posting a revenge review this week, so that was short-lived. <laughs> short-lived, but yeah, maybe they'll stick around anyway. Cool. So we got a great show this week. We're going to hit some hard-hitting news. Uh, we're going to review Suspiria, which we decided to watch on last week's show, if you want to keep up with the canon of Fear Frequency. But I hear Scream in the background. It's just a loud yell. It's so loud. It's so echoey. It sounds like Donald Pleasance. Do you hear that? I do hear it. Donald Pleasance and his last recorded audio ever on film. (laughs) That means we got a Halloween alert, baby, and this is a bad one. Last week, there's no way we were going to beat it, but uh, I think we made a bet about this when we announced it, but Pop Culture Shock finally announced the price of their 
insane Michael Myers statue with like rooted hair. I don't remember what our bet was, but uh, we neither of us were anywhere close to how much this thing costs. <laughs> it costs nine hundred and ninety nine dollars and ninety nine cents, and it's the Michael Myers one one to three scale statue that features a custom tailored real fabric costume. Two interchangeable portraits, one featuring fully sculpted hair and another with mixed media hair. For the diehard Halloween fans, the PCS exclusive version, limited to 150 pieces, will come with a number of ex- extra accessories including a light-up jack-o'-lantern, Judith Myers tombstone, and a bedsheet ghost costume. But that one's also $999. So, I don't know how you get that one or the other one, but either way, it's out of my price range. Oh, yeah, for sure. There's no way I'm buying this. $1,000? I mean, it's a cool statue, but part of there are very few things like, I would of, ever set $1,000 on. Part of me wants to check once it goes on sale just to see if it's sold out, but I, I know it's going to be sold out, and then it's going to oh, yeah. ruin my day. It's going to be gone for sure. Like, like there's don't, some... don't spend $1,000 on this, anyone, <laughs> please. Like, I, I don't really... I don't know anything about the process of making really highly detailed statues, but I, I gotta think that the markup on this is airing on the edge of high. I would say it's high. Like, what what do you think this thing costs to make? Like, what do you think they're... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe $100. Yeah. I mean, like, it looks good, and I, I'm sure the rooted hair adds some extra costs, and the accessories add some costs, but... A thousand bucks, man. You could get a lot for a thousand dollars. You could get a drone and like six video games for full price. Yeah. Like, or like, oh my god. Four of the sideshow toys of your favorite characters from movies. Yeah, you could get a little army of Kylo Ren's. <laughs> you get a little army of Kylo Ren action figures that, that are twelve cool. inches tall. So that's the that's the light Halloween alert this week. I just wanted to swing back around and let you all know that you can spend a thousand dollars on a Michael Myers statue, which I do not think is worth it. Nope, neither of us recommend that purchase. But if you do buy one, send us a picture. Yeah, or just send us the thing. We'll we'll totally give it back. <laughs> so next on segment one here is some news related to Jurassic World three, which already has a release date of June eleventh, twenty twenty one. And uh, Colin Trevorrow uh, had an interview with Total Film, and he said, I'm looking forward to, in the third film, getting a little back into the paleontological, wild animal, true dinosaur nature of all of it. He additionally noted, the article reads, that the Indoraptor will be the final hybrid dino in this trilogy. So, in case you guys didn't know, it's been in every trailer, uh, part of Jurassic World 2 is involves recovering the bones of the indominus rex and then mixing indominus rex dna with uh velociraptor dna to make an indoraptor for this movie that's going to be the like creepy bad guy and uh i'm kind of happy that that's the end of the like mixed dna dinosaurs yeah i mean i don't i don't really see a reason to keep going with it i think i i understood it for the first movie since it was like you know the whole idea of the plot was that they needed to bring dinosaurs back in like a big way and make something crazy brand new that no one had ever seen before so they wanted like a new dinosaur that never actually did exist so i get why they would make that but i don't know like (laughs) i'm even kind of iffy on the new one 
Jurassic World 2, like... Well, Jurassic uh, trailer... World 2 is what was being worked on as Jurassic Park 4 for a while, where the dinosaurs are going to be weaponized. I mean, I can see that. I'm, like, kind of interested in it. I just... It's crazy that the third one already has a release date. Like, they know that World 2 is going to break a ton of records. Is it just going to be, like, every new blockbuster that comes out is just going to become the new highest-selling movie in the world? I don't know if uh, Jurassic World 2 will be able to beat Infinity War or Solo. Like, do you really think it'll pull in that much money? I think Jurassic World 1 did insane. Yeah, it did. And then it got bumped out by Force Awakens. I'm pretty sure. Because... And then Solo... Everyone hates Solo, but... uh, I guess a lot of people don't hate Solo because the ticket sales for that movie, the like pre-sale, it's already doubled what Black Panther sold pre-sale. Like, and ticket sales opened up on Saturday, so people are really excited for Solo, and it's the it's only uh, second place to Infinity War. Infinity War had more ticket pre-sales than Black Panther, and now Solo has put itself right in between. That's so crazy. These That's movies fine. just make so much money; it's unbelievable. Yeah, man, as long as I keep getting more Star Wars movies, that's what I care about. <laughs> I, like, that over gonna, everything else. Universal, they're going to make a billion dollars on Jurassic World 2, probably, you know? Like, yeah. Well, yeah. And we already have a release date for the third one, so we're, we're going to get two more Jurassic World movies. The one that's coming out, and then the one that'll be out in 2021. So that franchise is safe, and it's cool that they're planning ahead. I like that. I, I like that they're not just like, well, we, we get to make another movie, let's start over. It's cool that they have an overarching plot for all three movies. I, I do agree that's good that they actually have somewhere where the story is going. It's not something where they're going to end the movie on a note where it's like, we could do another one, we could not. You know, it, it's no one is going to be wondering if there's going to be a Jurassic World 3 because this one already has a release date. So it's nice to know they have an overarching plot for all three of them, hopefully tied together at this point. So... I mean, I'm kind of excited for it. I am happy to hear that the third one will have no more hybrid dinosaurs, and maybe they can try to rein it in a little bit and bring it back to something closer to the first Jurassic Park. But that would be cool. who knows? Yeah, uh, I get to see Jurassic Park in a movie theater this weekend. I'm really excited. oh yeah, yeah, the first Jurassic Park. And what theater? They're doing this 25th anniversary thing at Universal here. Mm-hmm. And my buddy Matt Brando's coming to town for it, and he invited me to go with him. So I guess part of the like whole experience is you get to see Jurassic Park at the Universal City Walk. It was like a oh. sixty dollar package where you get to go into the park like Universal from three to nine, and then after you get you get to like go to a museum for that's all set up for Jurassic Park, and you get to go see the movie at the City Walk Theater, which is like a really good theater. It's huge. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, I was like. I would have gone to that without even being invited to it. I would have just gone by myself. I <laughs> right. told me about it. It, was aw- it sounds really cool. I'm really excited for it. Because I-, I haven't been to Universal since for like over a year. Because I went for Halloween Horror Nights 2016. And that's the last time I went. It's the first and only time I've been to the uh, LA Universal. So it should be fun. Yeah, uh, I've never been. But if it compares to the the one in Florida, it's probably pretty good. It's it's like a highlight reel. Like it's much smaller. They have the Mummy. Uh-huh. They have Jurassic Park. They have the Simpsons ride with like Krusty Land, and they have a couple other rides, but it's much smaller. It's just like the biggest things. And then they have 
half of the Harry Potter world. They have the Hogwarts, right? Okay. I mean, so that's... it's like it's enough because it's only like sixty bucks to get in. It's not uh-huh. expensive. Yeah, it's like Disney definitely like one hundred and twenty. Yeah, it's like definitely worth going there for like a day for sixty bucks. Yeah, so I'm excited for that. But moving on, I'm way more excited about this. Fetty Alvarez tweeted uh, on May 4th, last Friday, asking fans in a poll what he should make next. The three options were Evil Dead 2, Don't Breathe 2, and Stop Making Movies. So, with a whopping 70% of the almost 10,000 votes, Evil Dead 2 was the landslide winner. And Don't Breathe 2 is happening. I think that movie, I thought that movie was like done being filmed. It's been, like, widely, not even rumored. Like, Sony confirmed it. Stephen Lang confirmed he was in it. Someone asked Fetty Alvarez on Twitter if he was, like, making that movie still, and he said he was. So, I think he was just having some fun gauging interest on Evil Dead 2, but I think it's awesome that he's actually thinking about making it. Yeah, I mean, it's cool to see that there is this much interest in an Evil Dead 2 after all these years, because the first one did well commercially, like, box office-wise. It made a lot of money. So it was mm-hmm. kind of shocking that one didn't get a sequel at the time when all these other like remakes were coming out and you could see them easily just remaking Evil Dead 2, you know, to like right. be in on the trend. And it was made for 17 million I want to say and it ended up making like a 97 million or something like that. So it's like a small profit in terms of movies, but it's a profit. You know, like that's a that's a pretty good amount of money. Yeah, I mean Anything where the budget is kind of smaller like that and it makes, you know, double digits money seems like a good return on investment. So, I mean, I I think typically horror movies have a bigger return than most because their budgets are, like, minuscule. But I think this is cool. It's cool that he's thinking about it. I hope that there's, you know, a plot that he has in mind to bring back Mia in some way and he maybe has a rough outline for a story. It would be interesting to see... Uh, if anything more develops from this in the coming months. Uh, yeah, I just watched the director's cut on Amazon when that came out a couple months ago, or it was last year now, but it ends with Mia getting picked up on the side of the road. Like, she definitely gets out. So she's alive, she's got the one arm, so she could pick up the chainsaw arm, you know, and, like, she could be the new Ash. It would be awesome to see, because, like, Bruce Campbell's done. I, a lot of people are saying... If Sam Raimi came back, he'd come back too. It's, he's he's done. He's retired. He said so. Let's look to the future and realize that Fetty Alvarez made. I honestly think Evil Dead 2013. I like Army of Darkness a lot. I like Evil Dead 2 a lot, but I I really like the Evil Dead 2013. I think it might be my favorite of them all, and I want a sequel to that because it was its own thing. You know, like it had the humor kind of, but it was a really scary, gory movie first and i really like that yeah it was nice to see a true kind of horror only focus on it i mean evil dead one was kind of all horror i mean there was a few jokes in it but Mm -hmm. in general i think the tone was darker than you know the sequel and the third one and also the the show because i think you know as it went on it got more into the realm of comedy which isn't necessarily a bad thing but yeah the show is uh, so much more comedic than, like, the movies. I don't know. That, that Especially season three, I caught up on it. It's just kind of a mess. It's just so comedic. It's not even... It's just... It's different. It doesn't feel like Evil Dead, even though it is Ash. Right. And, I mean, like you said, I like the darker take of it being, you know, Mia, and it's like, you know, gorier ride, and she's such an interesting character that 
she can easily pick up the mantle, I think, and we don't we wouldn't really lose too much. Yeah, and Jane Levy, she's you know she's in Castle Rock, she was in Monster Trucks, she's in Don't Breathe, and she's going to be in Don't Breathe too. But she keeps her schedule pretty open, you know, like she does a lot of stuff, but it's kind of like one thing after the other instead of taking on a bunch of projects at once. So I feel like she has the time to do this, and she obviously likes working with Fetty Alvarez because she was the main character in Don't Breathe. She's coming back for Don't Breathe too. You know, like, she probably would come back to work with him on Evil Dead 2, I would think. Right, like, they have a pretty good working relationship at this point, and, I mean, she is a great actress. She did really well in the first one, so I'd mm. be excited to see her come back. Yeah, so hopefully that happens, but I did a whole video about this, uh, if you're a listener who's not subscribed to my YouTube channel, on, like, where the series can go from here, and spoilers, like, this is where I want it to go, but you should go check that out on my channel if you want to hear more. And then, speaking of weird things... We have an update on the Purge TV show. Uh, there was like an EW interview on the show, and the showrunner said that it's 70, 65% Purge Night, and then 30% Flashback. He said they're following four separate storylines that will like come together, and they have a 10-hour, you know, 10-episode arc that they're working with, and it's just... It sounds like the purge, you know, it's how many times are we going to see the same story? We keep having the same conversation about it, I feel like. Yeah, and I don't know if even having like 30% of the show being flashback and like exploring the characters, like he says, oh, it's so great that we get a 10 hour series because we can actually, you know, have all this time to explore the characters and show what they're like, not on purge night. But I don't think anybody really cares. Yeah. That's not the reason you watch them. Like, it's not like if there was more character development in the Purge movies, they'd be better movies. I think they should go almost the opposite direction, where it's more schlocky, more like, you know, Escape from New York or Escape yeah. from LA or something like that. Because, like, yeah, you're right. You said this when they announced the first Purge or whatever. Like, we've seen the political shit about it. We've seen how people feel about it. We've seen, like, why people don't want to participate in the Purge. Why would you introduce the concept and the world of the purge if you're not going to deliver on the actual purge night like there are so many more stories to be told there and i understand that they want to go political with it but they already have in three movies like move on yeah i mean i could see it being cool if instead of following characters it was following like groups of people that were planning like a like, let's say it was following, like, three groups of people, and they were all, like, planning something big for the Purge Night or something, and then you mm-hmm. follow those three, and they, like, converges at, like, episode seven or something, and then you see these three groups of people, like, going at each other. Something yeah. like that would be really cool, but this just sounds like a ten-hour-long Purge movie, which doesn't sound amazing. Yeah, and it's gonna be on Sci-Fi, so to be fair, Sci-Fi's had some, like, really good shows in the horror realm lately, but still, it's just, like... I don't know, man. I don't think this universe, like, the way they are going about this universe so far, I don't think that lends itself very well to a 10-hour series. (laughs) Like, they will have to do a lot to impress me. I'm going to watch it because I like The Purge, and I've liked all three of the movies, and I just want to see... I just have this gut feeling that this could be a good train wreck, you know, like a fun watch regardless. Even if it does suck, it'll still be fun to see happen, like, see it fall apart in real time. But... (laughs) I don't know. I just feel like they're creating a franchise out of something that doesn't necessarily need to be a franchise. Yeah, and it seems like they're focusing on the wrong aspects of the story to right. embellish upon. So, 
I don't know. This isn't great news, but I didn't really expect much out of this show anyways, so I <laughs> yeah. guess we'll just have to wait and see. I keep waiting for, like, news that will move the needle for me on my expectations, but they are exactly where they were when it was announced, and it's like, I fully expect this to be a disaster, and I will be impressed if it's anything other than that. Right. So that could be good and bad. That's a good good and bad way to look at things, I think. Like, I mean, if you go in with low expectations, then you can't really be disappointed, so... yeah. And it seems like they have a good showrunner on it, so I don't know. I want to. I'm honestly more curious about Sci-Fi's Child's Play show. I want to see how that's going to turn out because they're picking yeah. some weird shit to make shows out of. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess at least it's a good thing that they're picking up all these horror movies and growing shows out of them. I mean, yeah, and, and you know, because they're everyone will think they're terrible, but if they end up being halfway decent, then. <laughs> then I'll get some praise for it. And more power to him. Uh, but in better TV news, that's kind of like, it's bittersweet. So FX has ordered 10 episodes of What We Do in the Shadows. And the reason it's bittersweet is because originally when this was reported, the article made it sound like it was going to be the same cast, like Taika Waititi and, uh, the, what's his name? J- John Clement? Jamie Clement? Jermaine. Got- Jermaine Clement. That's it. Yeah. I don't have it written down. And it's not. They are, like, showrunners on it, and they're writing and directing the first episode, but this is a completely different show that's the same kind of story. So it's set in New York City, and it follows three vampires who have been roommates for hundreds and hundreds of years. It stars Matt Berry, Kevin Novak, Natasha, Natasha Demetrio, and Harvey Julian. Guilin. Julian. I don't know. These people have bizarre names, but... uh. I don't know. I'm, I'm excited for it because it's FX. They make good shows. It's being like execu- or it's being produced at least by Clement and YTT. So I feel like it'll capture the tone really well. But nonetheless, I wanted to see, you know, the characters from the movies come back. Right, and I'm kind of worried that it's gonna be a, an Ash vs Evil Dead scenario where the original people come back and they do the first episode, and then that'll be really good. And then yeah. after that someone else will pick it up week to week and then it will never have that same level of quality or polish as it did the first week. And then it'll just kind of end up being mediocre when it could be something that was really good. Yeah. And I don't know. I'm just, I'm bummed that it's not the vampires from the movie because I like them. Yeah. They are really funny, but I mean, I think they could still write like fresh characters that, that could be, you know, as good as the original yeah. cast of characters. Yeah, I don't it's really sad. want, like, a retelling of the movie with different actors, though. Because that's what yeah. it seems like it's setting itself up to be. Like, I want a new story if they're going to do it this way. I don't want, like, we cast all new people to play the exact same roles we've already introduced and play through the exact same story we've already introduced. Like, look, this guy is dating the Beast. We're going to reveal that the Beast is actually a hot lady at the end. You know, like... right. I don't want to see the same shit with different actors, basically, is what I'm saying. Yeah, and I agree with that. Where, you know, obviously, we want something set in the same universe with similar, you know, comedic tones and similar writing style, but I don't know. I, it is kind of a bummer that, you know, all the original people aren't involved in it. Because this, I mean, that could have been, like, really good if mm-hmm. FX had a show that had, you know, that many people and. I mean, but FX hasn't really steered us wrong with shows recently. I mean, Fargo is, like, one of the best shows on TV. And, 
Legion's really good. Yeah, Legion's good. Uh, Atlanta is also fantastic. So, I don't know. Like, I think if they get the right people involved, which FX seems to be able to do without much issue, then it could still be good. It's I don't think it's completely dead in the water yet. Right. So, I'm excited still, just less excited than I was because of how it was reported on, which is annoying. Right, because I, I agree. Originally, when they said it was coming, it was almost like, <laughs> like, yep, everyone's coming back for it, and it's going to be just like 10 more hours with these three awesome vampires, and now it's like, well, yeah, guess I'll never see Stu again. But now we're going to take a trip over to Michigan into Georgia's territory, and I think we've talked about this before, but there's been like a campaign to raise funds to build a like perfectly accurate RoboCop statue, and then the people wanted to get it like put in Detroit. I think we've talked about this, have we? Yeah. I'm not sure if we talked about it on the show, but it was definitely a, a pretty uh, interesting topic around the area because, you know, it's such a strange, like, project. <laughs> like Yeah, but this spring, they're putting the statue, which has been completed, at the Michigan Science Center. Uh, but it's spring right now, and we're almost into summer, so I don't know when this is happening. Yeah, um, <laughs> so, so yeah, a, a fully... <laughs> Like, a one-to-one scale RoboCop statue is built and is going to be displayed in the Detroit Science Center. Are you going to go check it out? I mean, I kind of feel obligated. Yeah, I think you should, (laughs) because I love RoboCop. RoboCop 1 is an amazing movie. Yeah. Like, it's It's just bizarre. Like, why does this... Why was this built? Someone was like, oh, well, Philly is rocky, so we got to put RoboCop in Detroit? Like, that's all you could... I don't know. It just seems weird. Like, RoboCop as a cultural icon. Like, if you really think about it, he's not really a great cop. Because he's judge, jury, and executioner. You can just blow people away whenever he <laughs> wants. You know what I mean? Like... Right. And he does. Many times throughout the movie. So, <laughs> I mean, like, you'd think you could come up with a better, like, Detroit pop culture icon to make a statue of. Yeah, like the monster from It Follows. Yeah, like like the monster from It (laughs) Follows. Or Stephen Lang from, uh, you know, Don't Breathe. He'd be a great statue. (laughs) Like, there's a lot of... I don't even know if there's, like, a lot, but there's... I just feel like there's probably a better use of resources and money than to make a RoboCop statue to display in Detroit. All right, next up on this breaking news list, because I'm obligated legally to talk about any actor I like getting a mustache randomly, David Harbour's character in Stranger Things in season three will have a mustache. He shared a photo of it. What do you think of the stash, George? I think it looks great, personally. He looks awesome. Yeah, I mean, I think... He's rocking it, dude. Yeah, he really... It, it fits the character, too, obviously. I mean, there's always, like, the stereotypical cop with the thick caterpillar mustache. Yeah, it's like peak 80s. Yeah, like it's so... It's something where you could tell that that's something that would be in at the time of season three, (laughs) like timeline-wise in history. So, I mean, it fits the character, too. He looks great with it. So I'm I'm happy to see the mustache, personally. David Harbour is just having such a good career lately because (laughs) of this show. Yeah, he got a massive boom. He's the new Hellboy. Like, Like, shit's working out for him, I think. Yeah, for sure. So, I don't know, he's holding up a picture of a book about brown bears, I guess. And he's wearing aviators. He's in his hopper uh, costume. He's looking good, dude. 
yeah, uh, I'm really excited for season three. So it looks like obviously they're filming at this point. Oh yeah, uh, they started production uh, two weeks ago. Yeah. So ago. what season three is out next year? Yeah, next uh, Halloween. Yeah. So hopefully we'll get a trailer by like December. They so last year it dropped during the Super Bowl. Oh yeah, it was out in October. So probably Super Bowl February 2019 we'll get a trailer. Yeah, probably. That makes sense. That makes sense to me. I'd I'd love if the show came out this Halloween though. That'd be awesome if we only had to wait a year. But I think it is 2019. We'll be waiting till, which sucks. Yeah, and I mean I think that <laughs> this is one of the Netflix properties that's actually good. And I know a lot of them. All are... their movies are so bad, dude. <laughs> they just put out. Oh my god, they put out a movie with Clive Owen and Amanda Seyfried called uh, Anon. Uh-huh. And it looks like a sick sci-fi movie, but it, I heard it's just shit. <laughs> like, what is up with their movie department lately? I think like, they just, they buy movies that other studios pass on, but, like, there's a reason that other studios are passing on these movies, you know? Right. Like, that's, it's not that's my just... conspiracy theory. <laughs> like, they just want as much content as possible, so they're just branding all these things Netflix movies, and, and people yeah. watch them, obviously, because every time adam sandler makes a damn movie with netflix it's the number one most watched thing ever on netflix so yeah is this a ridiculous six the most watched thing on netflix like confirmed at the time of its release yeah i'm not sure if it still is but i think very shortly after its release it was like yes this is the most watched thing that's ever been on netflix it's because netflix is cheap so dumb people can afford it (laughs) (laughs) like that's kind of mean but it's true like when you look at cable expensive netflix seven dollars i feel like the venn diagram of people who will pay seven dollars a month for netflix or whatever i feel like there's some big overlap with dumb people who will watch (laughs) adam sandler movies yeah i mean and then in that situation there's obviously no accounting for taste so right they'll just watch anything i mean i'd watch it drunk yeah drink like half a fifth of vodka though (laughs) subject myself to that just like pound it I don't even think I could do that if I tried, but I would do it for a Adam Sandler movie. <laughs> but my point was that this is one of their good shows that they have going on, so they need... I'm fine with them taking the time to make sure that this is actually comes out <laughs> on, you know, as that's something that's going to be successful. And on the flip side of that, it's only going to be five seasons, so you know they're spreading it out as long as they can. Right. Because they're going to have the, the like, HBO situation where now that Game of Thrones is ending, they're like, right. well, what, what do we do? We, what do we fill in its place? Do we do Westworld? Do we make a uh, HBO, like, another Game of Thrones prequel show? Like, what are we going to do to fill the void? So, I swear to God, if we if we get that spinoff show, uh, the Stranger Things one with all those kids, I'm going to be pissed. That looks like shit. Those kids are the worst part of season two. None of them deserve a show so dumb because you know that's what they were trying to do right like they already announced that they they were thinking about doing the spinoff and that was the one that they were thinking of doing was the like runaway kids from season two yeah and they that whole arc with them was bad that episode Not, sucks yeah it's it's it, just shitty yeah and i think there was such a huge backlash with that with people who actually watched the show people were like 
just skip that episode. Don't even watch episode seven. Forget episode seven exists. Dude, it's I like, saw I saw one article defending that, and it was like the weakest shit. It was just like. <laughs> I, I think there's, like, two different kinds of people who watch TV shows and movies. Like, some people can look and see what the creator was going for, and then they, like, don't care if it was executed well. They just see what they went for, and they were like, oh, that's touching. Like, I see uh-huh. what the creator was going for. Right. But then there's other people, which is where I think I fall in, and I think probably like, you fall in, where execution counts. Like, execution is what matters. Yeah. I'm like, Talk is the... cheap. Like, you can tell me all you want that... Like, Eleven's going through some shit, and, like, these characters are helping her find her identity. Like, that's what the show creators say, right? But unless you show it to me, I don't give a shit. Like, fix your show. Make your show better. Make the quality of the product you're putting out, make that convey what you're saying should be conveyed. Like, if yeah. you have to tell me, like, show don't tell, basically, is what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm like a and show I, don't tell viewer. Yeah, I agree with that completely. So... I hope that does not get a spinoff, but I, I do agree that they're they're probably trying to just lengthen this as much as possible, since I'm sure this is, like, their biggest show. This is, that's, like, the one Netflix show that everybody watches. Yeah. They could do, like, a, like what they did with Halloween, where once this arc is over, they could do a new Stranger Things tale. Like, brand it, like, a big anthology, you know? Yeah. I'd be cool with that. Like, keep the Stranger Things brand going, but give us all new characters, keep it in the 80s, and tell us a whole new 80s story. Yeah, you could do things in, like, different parts of America. Like, obviously, this one's, like, very, like, middle America, but you could do one yeah. in, like, you know, L.A. or, like, New York or something. I could, right. I could mess with that. That'd be cool. That'd be sweet. I'd be into that. So, next up on the list, Sam Raimi has a new movie coming out. And, of course, he's not directing it. He's producing it. Um, it's called Crawl, and it's from Paramount. And I was gonna skip over this and not even put it on the list, but uh, <laughs> I thought it was cool that Alexandre Aja, who directed the Hills Have Eyes remake, which is super underrated, he's the one directing it. And the plot synopsis is uh, that the script centers on a young woman who, while struggling to save her father during a Category Five hurricane, finds herself trapped inside a flooding house, fighting for her life against florida's most savage and feared predators white men all of that was true except for the white men part <laughs> but doesn't that sound sick yeah i mean honestly that does sound cool having i mean like the the whole shark as the like antagonist in a horror movie, has been done to death at this point. So <laughs> yeah, right. I'm happy to see some crocodiles and some alligators get in there. I don't know which one is native to Florida, or if they both are, but... I feel like by saying savage and feared predators, I think they are alluding it to be people. Like, Not animals? No, because, you know, this guy did The Hills Have Eyes. He did a really good job on it, but it didn't make a lot of money. I feel like he's coming back for the throat with some hardcore Florida mutant action. Oh man, some like deep in the woods, like, uh, uh, like, oh man, like some hatchet level shit with like the mutant monster and like deep in the, in the bayous of Florida. Yeah, exactly. Wouldn't that be sick? I, I that would actually be really like, cool. These weird subhuman mutants live in the bayous and then the hurricane floods them out into a residential neighborhood and this lady's trying to get her dad, but then she has to like <laughs> fight them off. 
<laughs> it I'm writes into itself, that. I hope dude. that's what the movie is because you <laughs> sold me on itself. it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dying. I want to see that movie so bad. Yeah, that'd be amazing, honestly. Because, I mean, the closest thing we have to that are, like, the Wrong Turn movies, which are fine. is a, a guilty pleasure of mine. They're not good movies, but they're they're fun to watch. They're hilarious. Yeah, we just watched two at the Mickey Mouse Pet. <laughs> <laughs> the movie is filmed at, like, 60 frames per second for some reason. It looks terrible. Yeah, I mean, they're they're all weird, and they're all, like, very schlocky, but... Yeah, schlocky is a good way to put it. Yeah, but uh. I, I like to see, like, that kind of story, like, more mutant killers. I think that's a cool, cool concept. I think I'm going to watch The Hills Have Eyes remake while I edit tonight, because that's a really underrated movie. Yeah, I haven't seen that in a long time. Yeah, it's a, it's a good movie. I loved it. They crucify the dad and light him on fire. How do you beat that? You don't. You just can't beat it. Well, I guess you can beat it with Florida mutants tri- terrorizing a woman during a Category 5 hurricane. That's how you beat it. And you know who their leader is? <laughs> who? That's the dry man. Oh, shit. <laughs> that is a game changer, dude. He can, like, swim in the hurricane water and not get E. coli because he has no open orifices in his entire body. He can stand her water for indefinite periods of time because... He obviously has figured out a way to breathe without using his nose or mouth. Uh, yeah, he's got a body. He's got to get up his body count before he suffocates. Because <laughs> uh, he's got some issues. The Dryman is the most feared creature in Florida, so. Oh, yeah. Uh, I just saw the worst Forensic Files episode, dude. Like, it <laughs> fucked me up. This is really dark, so trigger warning, I guess. Like, legitimate trigger warning. If you don't like hearing about murder, skip ahead two minutes. But basically, I'll, I'll sum it up really, really easily. This lady left uh, a like Central American country because her husband got another lady pregnant. So she was like, fresh start, move into New York. She got a job at a plastic flower petal company, and she started like fucking the guy who owned it. And it turned out he was married, but he got her pregnant. So she told her friend, she was like, yo, this guy got me pregnant. He knocked me up. I'm going to, he's going to like leave his family that he already has and like sweep me off my feet and take me away and the lady was like nah that's not happening dude this (laughs) this guy's not gonna fucking do that like you're an idiot so this lady calls the guy's house tells his wife everything and then just hangs up the phone then uh he calls her and he's like hello i'm going to kill you just so you know you're gonna die so then she calls her friend and she's like yo here's what i did this guy's gonna kill me and then the lady disappeared but her friend never knew the guy's name so the cops came the lady disappeared they couldn't do anything because they didn't even know who her boss was they like just couldn't figure it out because it was like so perfectly hid so the guy moves out of his house and 30 years later when he's like 70 years old the new people move in and they find this very heavy barrel under the house full of plastic flower petals and they find the lady's body obviously because the guy killed her but he punched through her stomach and pulled out the little baby and hid that under the house too in this That's barrel. That's insane. Yeah. I was, it was like, uh, I was falling asleep and then I, <laughs> I was listening That'll to That'll keep you files. up for sure. <laughs> and then I, and then I'm like, oh, it's just not forensic files. And then they're like, yeah, uh, there was a clear ent- entry wound in her stomach from a man's fist. And I was like, 
what? So I like instantly rolled over because I had to hear about this ridiculous shit. But man, that was dark. That does sound extremely dark-sided. Yeah, it was dark even for Forensic Files. So I don't know what episode that is because there's like 500 of them. But if you're not watching Forensic Files, HLN's got got the hookup for you. They got you covered. Yeah, so moving on here. This is the last story, but it's possibly the coolest one. Blumhouse is going to be releasing movies monthly on Hulu starting later this year. So it's called Into the Dark. It's it's called an anthology, Into the Dark. It's running year-round. It will release new quote-unquote episodes on the first Friday of every month on Hulu. And this like article says, if you're worried about a lack of content, don't be worried because each standalone entry will be a feature-length film. So it's a movie of the month club run by Blumhouse. The first episode's called The Body. It will be released on October 5th. Uh, it stars Tom Bateman, Rebecca Riftenhouse, Aurora Perenio, David Hull, and Ray Santiago. Ray Santiago is Pablo from Ash vs. Evil Dead, so it's good that he landed on his feet. Uh, oh, yeah. Follow- yeah, so that's cool. It follows a sophisticated, overconfident hitman who always carries out his work in style. He decides to take things even further one day by transporting his latest victim in plain sight, correctly assuming that self-absorbed L.A. partiers will simply be enamored with his elaborate costume, quote-unquote. Eventually, as his window of opportunity to dispose of the body begins to close, Wilkin- Wilkes true nature wait wilkes true colors reveal themselves to some groupies that have latched onto him it becomes a battle of will and wits and then november 2nd we get flesh and blood which is a uh, about a guy named henry who is a father and he has a little daughter named kimberly oh she's a teenager and she's suffering from agoraphobia and she hasn't left the house since her mud- mother's still unsolved murder so that sounds cool yeah i mean I kind of like the idea that they're based around holidays in each month. Yeah. I think it, it might be kind of tough for, you know, tougher some months than others <laughs> to find a holiday that you can really make like a horror movie around, but uh, it's cool. It's definitely cool to see that we're going to be getting a full feature-length horror movie every single month from Blumhouse, which has a pretty good track record, honestly. Yeah, and they just put out their new movie, Family Blood. It's a vampire movie on Netflix. I'm definitely going to check that out. I don't know, because even if they're bad, the fact that they're releasing on Hulu, which is cheap, every month, on, it's going to give us on the podcast something to talk about, and it's going to give like people something to talk about with their friends every month. I just think that's really cool. And obviously, yeah. they're not going to be like, you know, like blockbuster-type movies, but horror really lends itself well to slow burns that are very small in concept, and I think this is a great idea. Yeah, and this is something that I I know we've talked about with Blumhouse in the past, too. They're really good about kind of giving uh, more indie directors a chance to make something a little bit higher budget. Right. And this could be, like, a perfect platform to have some really cool up-and-coming indie directors make some horror movies if they're interested in it. And because yeah. obviously they need a ton of movies, they need one a month. So this is kind of a cool way to test out a bunch of new directors and give them some way to build up their, you know, the reputation a little bit and maybe play around with something really cool. Yeah. Whoever came up with this is just such a smart person. And honestly, they're probably going to be like TV quality movies, you know, just they're going to be feature length. So 90 minute TV episodes. But every time The Walking Dead does 90 minute episodes, I feel like it'll be on par with that. You know, like those 90 minute long ones where uh, it was... The one that I really liked was the one where Morgan 
met uh, the Zodiac Killer, and he taught him how to fight with a stick. Do you remember that one? You watched yeah. it with me, I think. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, stuff like that. I feel like if it's on par quality-wise with that, I'll be fine with it. Yeah, I mean, I'm happy with, with those, so I, I say bring it on. I think this is a really cool idea, and I'm it's going to give me something to watch with my Hulu subscription for sure. I cannot believe this isn't getting more press. Like, I had to dig to find this story. <laughs> like, I think this is a big deal. Yeah, honestly, I mean, this is huge. If we can get, I mean, it doesn't have to be great. If we can get a decent horror movie every single month from Blumhouse, like a 90-minute short horror movie, I'm, I'm, I'm in for it. I mean, it's cool. It's definitely a cool concept. And like you said, it's something that can kind of unite everyone in the, you know, the horror community who likes to watch these movies. It'll give, ev- some, you know, everyone something to talk about every month. Yeah, so that's awesome. We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be right back with our review of Suspiria. Alright, so we're back, and this week we decided to review a movie that came out in 1977, and it's Dario Argento's Suspiria, and it stars uh, Jessica Harper as Susie Banyan. She is an American dancer who moves to Germany to, like, dance at an elite dance school, but she unravels this, like, creepy dark plot that results in uh, the people running the school trying to kill her, and a bunch of gruesome murders happen throughout the movie, and... I don't know why I've never seen this before, because I like a lot of other Dario Gento movies, but this one is by far the best one I've seen. <laughs> yeah, um, it's pretty amazing, honestly. This is <laughs> like a, a a horror masterpiece from the 70s that I'm kind of disappointed I hadn't seen until last week. Yeah, and I did some more research into the Amazon reboot that's coming out this year, and it's, it's more of like a, re- it's not a sequel, it's a reboot, it's not like a retelling. Uh-huh. It's like its own thing, but it's like, so it's going to have more gory stuff. And I'm just going to be honest here. There's a scene in this movie, I think it's like right at the beginning, where a girl gets murdered and her rib cage gets broken open, and then a guy stabs a knife right through her beating heart. That yeah. like got me. I was like, <laughs> freaked me out, dude. Uh, the visuals in this movie are <clears throat> unparalleled, honestly. They're, uh, you had a really good way of describing it. Or uh, you said he's like an evil Wes Anderson, Dario Argento. Yeah. Like the the framing and the architecture, shot composition. I mean, the the movie's filmed incredible, second to none. It's it's so it's, ahead of its time. It honestly is. I mean, I feel first, like the only thing holding it back is the way, it, like what the equipment he had. Like, can you imagine if he had like new technology to work with with this stuff? Like, oh my god. Yeah, I mean, just the the way that he pushes boundaries in this movie is unbelievable. It's insanely gory. It has these amazing visuals. Use the color in this movie is incredible alone. Use of oh, color. Oh yeah, I the love way the, the color. Scenes just fill with like this neon red or these you know very deep blues and greens, and it just it has such a like surreal dreamlike feeling the entire time, and it's just amazing as you know as a visual it's it's like a nightmare it's like you're watching it like an hour and a half long nightmare yeah there's a part where uh a guy a blind guy his dog turns on him and rips out his throat and like then the dog starts eating him and there's a wide shot 
from these pillars in this like government building and you just see the dog like eating this dead body and then these like cops run in from the left that was just such a good shot and even though like you could tell it was a dog puppet killing the guy it still looked pretty good the only thing i didn't like honestly was the the texture of the blood it looked like finger paint to me yeah yeah the the blood is definitely very red it reminds me of a cannibal holocaust remember the blood in that yeah, I mean, it doesn't look very realistic. I don't know if that was a limitation of the time, if there wasn't, you know, like a ton of great fake blood. I think it's or... like an Italian horror movie thing, because have you ever seen Zombie? Because that movie is an Italian horror movie that also has very similar looking blood. And I think I'm right about this, but I could be wrong. But I think Cannibal Holocaust is also an Italian horror movie. I mean, that that could be that could be it. Maybe that's just, you know, something about... Maybe that's just, like, the main blood that's used in Italian horror movies or something, or it's yeah. done for some kind of... I mean, I don't know. I'm just talking on my ass. That's just the only thing I could think of. Yeah, but I, I think there probably is some kind of uh, some kind of correlation there. But, yeah, I mean, b- besides the blood, but like you said, I mean, that's, not like, a limitation of, like, what he had available to him. If he could have... If this, like, 1977 Dario Argento could have walked out of 1977 and walked into, like, a modern movie studio and had access to everything that people have now, I mean, this thing could have been unbelievable just because, like, the visionary that he was to make something that's this interesting visually and with so many, like, gory kills, really the only thing that isn't, like, fantastic about it is the plot for, like, two-thirds of the movie is extremely muddy Mm-hmm. where it's hard to follow and it's kind of just strange and meandering, which, I, I mean, that could also be, you know, a creative choice to kind of make it feel, keep that dreamlike feel to it where you're not really sure what's real, what's not, and what's happening. Yeah. But um, by the end of it, I think it really redeems itself with where the story goes for the last, like, uh, the last act. Yeah, and I just looked it up. Zombie... Uh... This movie and Cannibal Holocaust are all Italian movies. So it must be something with, like, you can't show blood that's too realistic in the 70s or some shit like that. But it's weird. But, man, like, I know that, like, this is its own masterpiece. But, like, watching it got me so excited for the Amazon one that's coming out this year. I think that's going to be really cool. Judging off, like, now that I know what Suspiria is and what they're going to be doing with it gore-wise and, like, the plot they're going to be telling and working with... I think I think it's going to be pretty fucking cool. Yeah, I mean as long as the director can kind of take the blueprints from this movie and modernize it and you know still have the same kind of scale and color scheme and all these, you know, kinds of crazy things that make the movie so visually interesting. As long as they can recapture all that, I think that there's no way this movie's not going to be a smash hit when it's re-released, rebooted. Yeah, and you want you want to hear something really funny? I was watching the movie and it was an Italian voice track playing. And I was like, man, I thought George said this was an English movie. <laughs> because the only person who was speaking English was the uh, main girl for a little bit. And then I noticed that all the other characters were mouthing English words. And I was like, what the fuck? So then I changed the audio track. And it's in English. But uh, I watched the first two-thirds of the movie in Italian with subtitles. And I think it was easier to follow. Because I didn't, I didn't have any confusion, so I thought that was kind of funny. Well, the English dubbing is not very good. <laughs> yeah, once I turned that on, 
it the the dubbing was pretty bad but the soundtrack was better i guess the band that did the soundtrack is a prog rock band called goblin goblin yeah goblin is so metal their music is amazing throughout this movie i forgot about how good the music was their tracks are like there's this song that they play whenever the the um like the main antagonist is coming around and it is so metal it just like puts you on the edge like it gets your heart pumping and your blood going you're like oh my god like it really puts you on the edge of your seat i listened to the soundtrack on the the whole drive to work today (laughs) yeah goblin actually did a lot of um dario argento's movies so they were like a team in the 80s or the 70s are you like obsessed with dario argento now that you've like seen this movie you're like into him now yeah i mean like i said last week when we were talking about this the reason that this was brought up is because when i was talking to my cousin and I told him I saw a Carpenter. He was like, oh, if you like Carpenter, you have to listen to Goblin. Like, Goblin is sick. Like, they have the, like, really amazing beats. Yeah, and he's like, that's and awesome. if you like, he's like, if you like Goblin, they teamed up with this director, Dario Argento, and you gotta watch all his movies. And I was like, okay, I'll watch all those. You so, gotta watch uh, Cat of Nine Tales. Cat of Nine Tales and um, Deep Red, I yeah. think, is supposed to be, like, his magnum opus, a lot of people say. So I want to check that one out, too. A lot of stuff is on Shudder. Like, most of his library is on Shudder now, except uh. Suspiria. So, the only way to get Suspiria is, like, a $20 Blu-ray, that, like, which is kind of annoying. But you can watch a lot of his other stuff on Shudder. Yeah, but I think that this movie is, like I said, a total horror masterpiece. Something that everybody who's into the genre should definitely check out, because it's, uh, it's just amazing, honestly. Mm-hmm. I really like it. We only spoiled the gore parts. There's not that many of them, but we didn't spoil any of the plot, so you should definitely check this out, like, immediately. Do what you have to do to see it. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say that, like, no one's going to spoil it for you, so you have, like, a little bit of time. Like, no one's talking about Suspiria in modern conversation. Right. I would say as soon as you can watch it, just, like, turn off everything, turn the lights off, sit down and just, like get lost in it because that's it's a a real ride from start to finish yeah you need to definitely turn your phone off and like anything that can distract you because it's it's a slow burn that rewards you for paying attention but it like modern people i think like modern audiences like they're gonna fucking look at their phone the entire time whenever it starts to slow down so just turn your phone off and put it in another room like just watch this movie experience it it's so good yeah i gave this one a, a five out of five on letterboxd yeah, me too. I did. It's just, it's so great. And the other movie I just reviewed on Letterboxd was Colossal. I think we you should watch that and we should talk about it sometime. But next week, we're going to be talking about the new film Revenge, which comes out in theaters on May 11th, so this week. But then it's going to be released on Shudder. It's like a Shudder exclusive. Uh, it stars Matilda Lutz from Rings. And I distinctly remember her being a terrible actress in Rings. <laughs> but... She's getting praised, like, so hard for this movie, so I'm really excited. I hope, like, Rings was just such a bad script, and she, you know, like, she's not American, and she was dealing with a lot of English. I, I hope that, like, the I hope and I am suspecting that the problems with her acting in Rings were not her fault, you know? Because yeah, people are I mean, saying some good shit about this movie. Revenge. Yeah, I don't think anybody was like, watch Rings, and they were like, oh man, the writing was so good, but the actors <laughs> just could not portray it. what was in that script, that golden script of Rings. Dude, Vincent Dianaforth is in that movie. He's a blind, like, priest. Oh man. 
But yeah, go check out Suspiria. Next week, we'll have our friend Jonathan Barkin from Dread Central on the show to talk about revenge. And uh, following that, we have a pretty big guest that I will keep a surprise. We got two guys coming on that are pretty cool. Well, we'll yeah. tell you what who they are next week. Yeah, we got an exciting couple weeks planned out, so it's going to be good. Yeah, you want to bring us home? Yeah, uh, as always, come back next week for more horror news and reviews, and you never know who might be listening. <laughs> <laughs>